drops. Morpheus is fighting Neo! Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. I am and can only be your host, Jesse Kester. But as per usual, I am not alone. I am joined. I am joined by the one. I am joined by the only. I am joined by the absolutely positively singular... Elizabeth McIrvin. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. How have you been? I'm great. Thank That's you for wonderful. having me. You seem to be very uh, happy. You seem to be great. Some people say great and I don't believe it, but you seem like you're, you're on that. Yeah, I'm having a great day, actually. What's so goddamn good about it? <laughs> um. Well, it's a beautiful day in L.A., uh, so as I'm driving around, usually when I drive around, I... Thank I, you for doing the driving gesture. I wouldn't have known what you were talking about if you hadn't clutched an imaginary <laughs> steering wheel. I just came from improv practice also, so I'm just in... You're doing your space in work? In space work mode. Um, yeah, but it's just a beautiful day for driving shopping. LA. <laughs> Grocery shopping? I want more of these rice crackers. <laughs> Help yourself, go bananas. No, no, no. But where, where do you do your practice? Uh, at Dick Jabor's apartment, um, oh. near UCB Franklin. This is, I don't know how we did this. The, the, uh, pop filter is only blocking <laughs> your face. So we're going to no, tilt that better. down. Yeah. I'm yeah. kind of short. <clears throat> yeah. Welcome to the show. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of things today. We're going to talk about, um, Apparently not much. <laughs> I should have had this front loaded in my brain. We are going to talk about improv. We are going to talk about radio plays. We might swing by Judy Garland Station. Um, we're going to talk about, what else are we going to talk about? That seems like a good hour. Yeah, I'm sure other things will come up yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if we bleed out from those conversations, that's fine. But before we do any of that, and we will do all of that, what I would like to do is a little segment we call Five and Five, where I'm going to ask you five questions and you have not but one minute to answer each question. Thus, the title Five and Five, five questions in five minutes. Are you ready, willing, and able to do this? I'm so ready. Would you like to, though? I would love to. Because nothing is sexier than consent. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Let's get into it. Um, and we, to make it more stressful, we have, uh, we have timers and and oh my god you have a timer and music wow yeah no you're okay. in this is a whole where did you grow up and oh are you supposed to read the question i could have but i <laughs> mean we're doing it let's do this how did that inform your adulthood oh god okay so my dad was a marine uh so we moved around a lot when i was a kid i didn't really grow up anywhere specific um but the longest areas that i was in was probably san diego california and Jacksonville, North Carolina. Um, and I feel like growing up in the South really impacted me as a dog. How does that inform your dog? Yes, uh, I have uh, very strong opinions about religion and the South and history and all of that stuff. And I feel like I wouldn't feel that way uh, unless I had lived there. Religion, for it or against it? Uh, it's a it's a constant debate. Okay. Yeah, it's it's just definitely a, a discussion I like having with people for sure. But I I respect people's religious beliefs and whatever they feel like makes them happy. Awesome. You yeah. that was you're twenty percent done with five and five. <laughs> Yay! Do you want to read the second question? You can read it. Question number two. What is the must-engage media, the book, the movie, the television show, the album that unlocked the secrets of the universe to your brain? Oh, God. Well, I feel like 
the media I've consumed most my entire life is media from the 40s to the 60s, mm-hmm. uh, movies and music. Um, I've really been into Timmy Euro. Uh, she's a wonderful singer from the 40s, 50s, 60s, and also 70s. Uh, and probably... Alfred Hitchcock movies, anything with Cary Grant or Grace Kelly, they're my favorite. Uh, An Affair to Remember is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, Let's see, what else? Must see, engage in media. Okay, I feel like everybody should see Alfred Hitchcock movies. Like, if if you haven't seen those movies, like, what the fuck are you doing with your life? If you haven't seen, okay. The, Time's up. <laughs> Time's up. You okay. hit that beat really well. Yeah. The, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Yeah. <laughs> your turn. What is the greatest source of joy in your life? Oh, that's such a sweet question. I would have to say my friends. I love my friends so much, and I feel like they're the family that I've chosen to have. And yeah, my your life. logical family as opposed to your biological yes, family. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, they give me all the things that a normal, healthy, functioning family would give me: uh, support and love, uh, and a lot of times unconditional love. Um, yeah, I love my friends. They're great. Shout out to all my friends. Uh, Quick question. Yes. Uh, who is your favorite friend and who is your least favorite friend? I want names on the air. Oh my God. Yulia Kirilova is my best friend of all time. I love her so much. She's like I my was fucking kidding, but, okay. sister. Keep going. <laughs> my least favorite friend. Who's the Ooh. real dirtbag? Ooh, Scott Nickley. Scott. <laughs> but uh, I love you so much, Scott. Please don't take offense to that. But he's a lovely person. He's just a little much. <laughs> Does Scott know that he's a little Oh, much? he knows it. Okay. He knows it. Otherwise, I'm Is say it my it. turn now? Yes. Question number four. What gets under your skin? Ooh. Besides Scott. Ooh, he does get under my skin. <laughs> we're, in, we're in an improv team together. We're performing later tonight. Um, <clears throat> what gets under my skin? Oh, my God. Not a lot of things annoy me, you actually. You seem pretty mellow and even Yeah, I'm healed. a very mellow person. Oh, God. People asking me for money? Because I'm broke. All right, uh, we're going to cancel that segment from the show. Yeah. Um, people being against going to therapy. Interesting. That's, that's a do you big have a shrink? Pe- I do. I, okay. I have a regular therapist. I How long have you week. been going? Like three months. Yeah. I want to get in. I want to. I want to dig into that just because I haven't ever had one. Yeah. And I it's don't... been super helpful. I imagine yeah, it is. Yeah, it's been great. Are we? Time's up. Time is up. Time question up. number five. I'm going to do question number five because it's horribly transcribed on the screen. Okay. And last question. Advice, advice, advice. What is the best advice you've received and what advice would you like to put out into the world? Oh, God. I've heard so many great pieces of advice. Uh, but this is a piece of advice I've heard from literally every director that I love is uh, if you want to be a director, uh, go take a fucking camera and shoot some shit and call yourself a director. Um, and uh, yeah, that's such a great piece of fucking advice. Uh, and I would say the same, but not just to directing like anything that you want to do, even if you think you don't know how to do it or you're too scared to do it um, or say you literally know nothing about it uh, just fucking do it even if you mess up uh, you will learn uh, a million lessons because that's how I've I've done everything I've ever done is I not know how to do anything I just do it 
How did you like that punctuation there with the music? That was tight. Yeah, it was so you good. Got your, you got your minute down to a minute. What, what? All right. What I'd like to do, well, first of all, quick question, honest question. You smashed, you destroyed five and five. Would you like the celebration music? Sure. All right. <laughs> let's, let's, let's ease off the throttle. If it's all the same to you, let's kind of slow things down. Okay. Um, let's learn about life as the daughter of a Marine. Only child? Multiple child? Um, I have five younger brothers and sisters. So you're the oldest? Yes. Did you have to watch after them or were you off the hook? No, I did watch okay. after them for a long time. Still kind of do today a little bit. Wait, were you babysitting? <laughs> no. I mean, we're all adults now, but mm -hmm. I mean, like just in um, like maybe things my parents should be doing to be helpful, uh, I do for them. <laughs> I, was like, I, I can't tell if there's a lot embedded in that sentence or not. <laughs> there probably is. Okay, let's let that unfold bit, naturally over the course of, yeah. of an hour. <laughs> I think you gave you gave like a little whiff of it back in five and five. <laughs> So I'm excited to hear what's behind all that. Uh, what I I was not um, a military brat. I suppose is that offensive? Um, is that a, a derogatory? Is I that used like to kind of think I I used to get annoyed by it actually because huh, well just the word brat is just like not a very nice word. But uh, I I always kind of felt there was just like something negative about it. Like ooh, you're like the kind of person that didn't grow up in a, a hometown, so there's uh, something off about you or whatever. Were you on base a lot growing up, or um, did you have a, anything like a normal childhood, when, or was it really the military version? Well, when we were in uh, San Diego, Oceanside, we did mm -hmm. live on base. When we were in Japan, we did live on base. But when we moved to North Carolina and my parents divorced uh, because they were like getting separate housing. So they How both lived on How old were you when the they divorced? Uh, I think 12, probably. That's yeah. old enough for it to hit like a hammer. Yeah. Yeah. It did hit me pretty hard, actually. And I think it... it kind of made me like act out as a teenager. I probably would act out anyways, but definitely exacerbated it for yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 No, no, there, a, a divorce is not going to make a wild child calm down yeah. and through yeah, the early true. teen years. Yeah. But what I want to know about the, I want to know a lot of things. So I'm going to try to keep my brain on track with these questions. Okay. What was the Japan experience? Did you, did you study Japanese at all? Were you part of the, were, were you off base at all? Or was it really the um, American experience? Which base were you on? Uh, it was called Ukuni. It was. I don't know that one. It was about an hour, hour and a half away from Hiroshima. So it was okay. on the mainland. A lot of people go to Okinawa, which is the island at the bottom oh, yeah, of the yeah, mainland. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm and actually. And there's like Yokosuka. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the Air Force base, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. But my base kind of had everything like ships and planes and helicopters and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I was at a younger age, but I was like the oldest of my brother and sister. So I was probably the one who remembered the most out of everybody. Um, I think it was like from fifth, fourth grade to... Six, no, maybe it was like third grade to sixth grade. I don't know, three years, somewhere around there. Um, but it was like formative years of, of uh, forming friendships and uh, especially when you move to another country and uh, you're like trying to make friends and then you're also young and uh, not good at social situations <laughs> trying to make friends. Uh, so I felt like going to Japan was uh, a really good start to... 
I don't know how I kind of am as an adult in making friends because I feel like that's where I learned how to make friends fast. And that's where I learned, um, kind of just had to like read people a little bit more Mm -hmm. and like be able to recognize like, Oh, this is like a per this person with a personality and interest in things that I'm not interested in. And I could be interested in their stuff. They could be interested in my stuff. I don't know why I I have I think the thing that I remember most about living there is my friends because it was like the ones that mm, first meant the most to me. Like I had my first boyfriend when I was there, had my first kiss, uh, pretty young. I I was, I was a young starter. Are you Uh, pleading the fifth on this one? uh, No, no. Um, after 10 or before 10? Before 10 doesn't count. I think I was 11, 11 or 12 or something like that. 12, Totally counts. Yeah. They're I, 11 debatable, but if you're 12, that's, that counts as a, yeah, as a nice little pretend. I think I, I, my body like matured quickly mm-hmm. and I also looked a little older than I did. How old was your boyfriend? Uh, oh, he was like 16 or some shit. Which when you're, when you're 12, that's like, <laughs> he might as well be 80. I know it was a, a relationship that should not have happened, but I was very into him. Um, <clears throat> Wait, should it have not have happened? Like, I mean, to this day, do you feel like it? It? it oh no, 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 did no! Did damage it was, to you, or is it? I no, mean, it, seems- it was like my first, like what I felt was love. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't know. I I heard this this thing recently about like when is an appropriate age for young people to engage in sex or sexual activities. And it's like when your head is ready, when your heart is ready and when your body is ready. And I feel like I was just like a young starter kind of person, Mm -hmm. like not to be too TMI, but like I lost my virginity when I was 14. But I, I also don't feel like that was young for me. Now that I look at a 14 year old, I'm like, holy shit, I was a fucking baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. I just like always craved being an adult, uh, so much, uh, when I was younger that I just wanted to like skip everything and go to yeah. adulthood. I don't know why. Well, that's not bad. I mean, if your first kiss is at 12, then you've got like two years of kissing under your belt before you lose your virginity. Yeah, that's, true. Mm-hmm. Was this the same fella or was this a... No, it was a... Because this was uh, in Japan. So we only lived there for three years and then mm-hmm. we moved to North Carolina and that's where I met like my first boyfriend, other love, whatever. Your, your first uh, second boyfriend. Yeah, first second boyfriend. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> when did you meet your first third boyfriend? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know. I wait. What happens? Does it kind of get get like wild after that? Well, like, actually, no. Okay, so if we're gonna we're gonna take away Japan talk and we're gonna move to relationship talk, we can. <laughs> we're. I feel like we're going in these circles and like, um, no. But I well, I had a like a high school sweetheart kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, and we dated off and on, uh, the whole time I was in high school. Um, and, um, then I, I met somebody like my first year of college and, um, we got engaged and that was the record <laughs> scratch. What you just heard was the, the, in the trailer when the record scratches, <laughs> But they they go together a little bit because my high school. Are we going to get into religion? Is does this tuck into getting engaged freshman mm, year or not really? Well, I mean, it, it was like more pressure I put on myself because of 
religion and family like um nobody actually said the words to me uh you must get married before you move out it mm-hmm. was just kind before of before you um, move out of your house yeah like you can't get an apartment not not move in with a guy but move out of this house you yeah. have to i mean like i said like nobody said those words to me but because of how i grew up and how my dad was my dad was very like strict and conservative and uh like had really quote-unquote strong family values um i just felt that kind of pressure and uh so when i did get engaged uh that's when i moved out of my dad's house for the first time uh was where was your mom on all this is she also conservative or is she more like a an ally kind of she she's a little no she's not conservative no she's she's a huge slut and a drinker Hi, mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. Love you. <laughs> um, yeah, both my parents will not listen to this. Um, my family's crazy. Um, yeah, but when they got divorced and my mom met somebody else, um, he worked for, he retired from the military and he got a job at the Department of Defense. So they moved to D.C. area. Um, and that's where my mom was uh, during a lot of the time, like my senior year of high school and like freshman year of college and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, we didn't, yeah, she, she kind of just let me go along with everything. I mean, I was like 19 when I got married. Nobody stopped me. Okay. So the engagement went through. You said you got engaged. I was, I I was waiting to hear how this one ended. Yeah. I got married and nobody stopped me. Nobody said anything. (laughs) They just let me do. How long were you dating this guy before you got engaged? I think we were together for a year and a half. So like dated for, so it wasn't like nuclear. It was like, it wasn't four weeks or something that you got engaged in six weeks. You got married. Okay. A year and a half. You're young, you're wild. Like, it, it, it's not yeah. ridiculous. It's- yeah. Well, I mean, it was like a lot of situational stuff, like living in a super small town that was all military, all family, all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you just like, okay, this is the this environment This is what we do. This I is what in. people yeah. do. This is how we live. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then it was like, I just wanted to get out of my dad's house and be independent yeah. and figure out my own shit. And uh, unfortunately, I had to be with a dude to leave. But um, um, yeah, I don't know. But was there happiness in it? Like, what were the what were the what was working? Like, it it doesn't sound like you don't sound like this well, was these were the best years of my life. But there must have been some stuff that was going yeah. right at that. And we're not trying to do a PSA for getting married in your freshman year of college. but <laughs> Well, to be honest, I, I sort of realized this recently also with therapy is that um, we when we met, I was 18. He was 25. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he was sort of like a like a dad figure in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, like he wouldn't like boss me around or anything. But like if I needed something or I didn't know how to do something and also I was very young, you know, uh, there was a lot of things I didn't yeah, know how yeah, to do. Yeah, there's I plenty would, to not know at 18. Yeah. So he'd be like the first person I call, be like, what do I do? You know, how do I do this? Like, you know, with just adult stuff, cars, insurance, taxes, whatever. So I felt like that um, put a rut in our relationship and like built up a lot of resentment because like I resented him for treating me like a parent. But then I also like kind of 
put him in that role a little bit, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, he resented me for uh, him having to take care of things and, and be responsible all the time. Um, so it was just like a never a dynamic that was going to work. And we're friends now. And that's still our dynamic. So yeah. uh, a relationship can't work where one person is being a parent. You have to be equals uh, for a relationship to work. So. Or at least like trade it off. You can't always be equals on everything, but the things yeah. you can do, he can't do. And like the, it does sound like there's a, a power differential yeah. in, in that, that kind of like encompassed the whole thing. How long were you together? Um, we were together for six years, I think five years. We got married in 2011 and we broke up in that's so recent 2016, I think, or 2015, end of 2015. I don't know. It's been like about two and a half years since we broke up. Did he come out here to LA with you? Or oh, was that... no, absolutely not. No. Okay, I that's... mean, that was like one of our arguments is I like been wanting to come out here and he like refused. He like grew up in a small town his whole life and didn't want to leave. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what was calling you to the city, if anything? Um, well, a lot of things I, I've always, this is what we said, I've always wanted to do stuff with movies. Like when I, I was a kid, I, I would just like watch old movies and look at these actresses and be like, that's what I want to do. I mean, even when I was in Japan and I was like 10 years old, I would like rally my friends together and like make them do shit. Like I, I like made them make a music video with me. I made them make like a, a mobster movie that I wrote a horrendous script Does for. Does this exist? Do you have a copy <laughs> I of wish your it did, but Japan it's mobster probably movie? probably the worst. I was like oh, no, no, showing no, 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 no. it to Guaranteed my teachers like, this is the best script of a year ever going to see in your life. Uh, I think I did look at it later when I was like 20 and I was like, this was crap. I was crap. <laughs> that is an episode of your show. <laughs> Dig up those old scripts. Oh my God. And reperform them. Don't I look, I'm willing to put myself on the chopping block. I could uh -huh. dig up my old scripts yeah. and we could do a table yeah. read if you want. True, true. I've actually heard that on a podcast with uh, Casey Fay, I think. He's a comedian at UCB. I can't even remember what podcast it was, but he did read uh, an old script that he hated uh, with his friends and it was very bad and very hilarious. They're bad. Yeah, they're, they're very just bad. bad. Like what yeah. else are they going to be when you're a, yeah. a teenager? But yeah. terrible. Very true, very true. Do you feel like you're getting good at it though at writing it? Well, what do you do? Frame yourself before I make too many assumptions. Mm, a little secret: I don't write. I don't write ever. Not even um, like jokes or stage material or anything. Well, stand up was the first thing that I did. Uh, what was your first joke? Oh, and don't God. worry, we're, we know they're going to. It was be... something about pirates. I don't know. I had to like look at my old iPhone uh, in my notes and see because that probably would be pretty funny to look back on uh but it was something about pirates for sure yeah solid solid <laughs> but it was a lot of like i really like av schumer and i was like trying to be like oh like i'm gonna be like the dirty girl mm -hmm. comic or whatever um but i yeah before we recorded you were like you were asking for permission to swear and i was <laughs> expecting you to go off the hinges when we started recording well but you're pretty straight -laced. if it's something that i've passionately talking about i i will cuss okay. uh i don't know it'll come out i'm sure do you feel straight laced 
Oh no, not at all. Okay. I'm a monster. I'm a horrible person. I have seen none of it. <laughs> I'm very excited for the for the Mr. Hyde to come out, Mrs. Hyde. Well, maybe you won't see it. Maybe that's a secret. Um, you know what that that means? I am such an incredibly accommodating host that you like the Incredible Hulk. Like you can't muster him out <laughs> because you're just too at peace. Yeah, with everything. I am pretty at peace. I got a nice cup of tea. I got a snack. I got water. Got this Judy Garland album. I'm excited. You got the to Judy hear. Garland album. Yeah. I didn't. I when I said we're gonna talk Judy Garland, I didn't know if we were gonna swing back around. That was like the high risk. Here's what we're gonna talk about. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Judy Garland's dope. She's amazing. And I feel so bad that she had to do any of it. I know. I am, God, hearing all the horrible shit that happened to actresses during that time, it makes me so sad. No, they were like. I I really want to make a movie about it. Like, for real. That's all I think about. Nobody steal this. Or you could steal it. Whatever. (laughs) But No, but like specifically, like I've heard on uh, like different crime podcasts, like some Mm -hmm. people will cover like specific, uh, like huge uh, sexual scandals that happened during that time that were like initiated by the movie studios Mm -hmm. and like protected by the movie studios. They, those kids, like the Judy Garland's, like I've got a Brita water filter. They were putting methamphetamines through those children. Like I put water through my Brita filter. Yeah. It was insane yeah. how they treated kids those days. Yeah, it's crazy. That do you you know the story where there she's like in a limo to go to do a show and she doesn't want to do the show, so she smash Judy Garland smashes her mirror and starts cutting her face up <gasps> to try to get out oh of the God. job. Like I that level of that pain and psychosis Shit. that was foisted on her. <clears throat> yeah. But enjoy the record. (laughs) What's fucked up is that she's also super talented. Like the way she sings is so beautiful and unique. And I feel so bad for enjoying it because it was like, but maybe she enjoyed it. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, are we having fun? How much fun is this? Yeah, this is amazing. Let's talk about the tea. That's so much. Yeah, I love green tea. It's the best. I'm an Earl Grey man all the way. So you can have green tea. I never got into it. That does remind me of Fifty Shades of Grey, though, because that was her favorite tea. Is that what that thing is about? <laughs> Fifty Shades of Earl Grey? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll give it I a shot. I didn't think now. about that, of why she picked that tea. The author? Because it's the best really, tea in the world. But like the That's gray the thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 best tea. But, you know, play on words, Fifty Shades of Grey. I've got I've got a story <laughs> for part three of Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. Um, I think they're... Or four books? Of the movies. Oh, okay, okay. They ran out of steam on the third one. True, true. So that came out Valentine's Day 2018, uh-huh. if I recall correctly. I think you're right. And I thought, I've got a great idea. I'm going to go to see this in the theater. I'm going to sit in the back and I'm going to watch all the couples who are like getting turned on and like starting to make <laughs> out with each other and feeling each other up. Uh-huh. Uh, half the audience was asleep. <laughs> And like, there were people walking out after an hour. It was like the most boring voyeur makeout experience. Total failure. The the last time I saw, I think it was the second one. I Mm -hmm. saw it in theater, actually with my ex-husband, weirdly enough. Um, And it was like. uh, But you had been, you're divorced at that point, right? Like that's, or were you just winding down? No, we were. We were. Yeah. You were divorced? Yeah. Okay. I can't remember why we went to that movie. I think, oh no, uh, 
Yeah, I forgot. I always forget Uh-oh. about this. Did movie. you just remember a May- part of the story that you'd rather not tell? That was that kind of, <laughs> no, uh, oh, just, yeah. Like, it's like a long explanation that like, I don't know, just makes me look like a person going through conflict and whatever. But like, well, conflict is the backbone of good cinema. Yeah, so true, true, true. Give it to us. But give I, it some like, juice. I kind of pulled like a La La Land. Like I came here, mm-hmm. I did stand up for six months and then like it got really, really difficult. I'm like, what am I doing what with my life? What are you talking life? about? God, every minute <laughs> in this town is really, really difficult. There's no escalation or de-escalation. But I, I feel like the second time around that I'm doing it, like, mm-hmm. cause I only was gone for, I don't know, maybe like five months. I went back to North Carolina and then like kind of was like, oh, maybe I'll get back with my ex-husband. And then within like a month, we were like, no, we're dumb. Uh, Of course we shouldn't be together. And then I went to Minnesota and I stayed at my brother's apartment for like two months because he was gone in Peru. And then I decided, no, fuck it. I'm going to go back. And uh, I came back and then I've been back ever since. I've I've been doing this fishbowl for a while here and I've talked to a lot of people on it. Your story is not that rare yeah. of people coming here and getting the sledgehammer to the chest and having to leave for a little bit yeah, and then coming back and on their second try, like having, having adjusted all of their expectations about what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like, what the pay is going to be like, yeah. um, what the, what the dude, it's a relentless string of rejections. Like you will never hear, no, we don't want you more than you will in this town. And yeah. you're, there's nowhere else on earth that is more just like, get the fuck out. There's a million of you in line for that same thing that you want. Just get the fuck out. Yeah. And that could like that reality check can be quite heavy, but you know, you're here. Well, so what are I, you doing I right this time? I feel like every, everything that I'm doing is avoiding exactly that. Like I'm trying mm-hmm. to pick things to do that are like individually me Yep. and nobody else can be like me. So then nobody can deny me because I am only myself. Yep. 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 That's, um, that is what I've learned in the last year. I'm not trying to, trying to steamroll you, Oh no! but the, like the, the idea that when you get here, um, just assume you're not going to be hired. So if you want to be working, like you're going to be making your jobs, whatever your show is, your web series, your podcast, your albums, your songs, like nobody's going to hire you to do those things on day one. Yeah. So you got to do them and do them and do them and have that kind of that forward momentum from inside of you. And what was the other thought that you just touched on? Oh, uh, the, the thing there, like do, don't do the thing that you do. Well, do the thing that nobody else could ever do because you're the only one who can do it. Yeah. I wonder if this would transition into your podcast. Would you, would you be kind enough to kind of pitch it? Because uh, it's very singular, I in, in in my humble opinion. What's my intro? Oh, God, I haven't done my intro in so long. I can tell you one sentence <laughs> of your intro. Okay. It's something to the effect of, this is not just another oh, podcast. Oh, no, no, this no. This is a no, show. No, no. Okay, now I remember. Okay. Uh, this... This is Mystery in the Radio Waves? Okay. This is Mystery in the Radio Waves, and this is your host, Elizabeth McIrvin. This is a podcast where we take uh, radio plays from the 40s to the 70s. Uh, wait, I God, I'm fucking it well, up don't now. Don't worry about this. Don't get hung <laughs> up on which years you pull your, your scripts from. Yeah, but it's like up-and-coming actors perform radio plays from the 30s to the 70s, uh, and then comedians create a parody based on that radio play. This is not just a podcast. This is a show. 
that's the part that stuck out yeah. to me. Yeah. Because I like that last line, I thought, oh, so cheesy. But at the same time, I'm like, well, this is not a podcast where we talk and have a conversation about anything. There's barely any talking. It's like mm-hmm. a performance. Um, yeah. So. And that's, that's, um, can I, can I kiss your ass a little bit? Please don't. <laughs> no, not physically. No, no, I meant no, metaphorically. No, no. I mean, I'm very uncomfortable with compliments, but we'll oh, go okay. ahead. Well, take off your headphones for a moment. <laughs> I've, I've mentally prepared myself. And it's, not a, it's not at you. All directed at the podcast. Okay. Okay. Sure. So you don't have to deflect it. I'll pre-deflect it for you. Okay, sure. Um, I am a huge fan of radio shows, radio plays, radio, co- like the whole schmear. I think the radio landscape is the most beautiful thing. In the world before I went into film, I wanted to go into radio, but it was right, like, even a moron could have seen that the the drop-off in radio listenership was inevitable and it was going to be like a stone falling down a cliff. Um, so I just, like, gave up on that dream. I thought, like, radio is just not the thing anymore. There's not going to be money in radio. It's not going to be possible. I'll go into film instead. Um, and then podcasting. And everybody can produce their own radio shows. This is like the best thing that could have happened in my mind. Uh, So I love radio shows. I love the old dramas. And I love that you're reviving them and not desecrating them, but (laughs) more or less eviscerating. Let's say you're reviving and eviscerating them. That's such a good way to put it. Yeah, I would say so. And you did that, so you're awesome. Ha! Gotcha! (laughs) Well, thank you very much. (laughs) Got your defenses all down, and then I struck. You did. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but I... Oh, I I love old Hollywood so much, but like obviously as we talked about, like there's a lot wrong with it, a lot that happened that's just oh, like yeah. and a lot that was written that you're like, how the fuck did you write this? Like, how did you get this on air? Like it, it was insane to me. Um, and I think like just doing a podcast where I was just redoing the radio plays, that would not be very good because then I would kind of have to like explain like, okay, well this radio plays a little sexist, prepare yourself. And then why am I doing it? You know what I mean? And I feel like comedy is all about, uh, being as truthful as possible. And I, Mm -hmm. and when we do the parody and we kind of like break down, uh, the really like sexist or racist things that are in the radio plays that were, we're almost just like highlighting what's great about it and taking down what's bad about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's a perfect medium to do that in. Yeah. And you've got this like wealth of decades of awesome content. Yeah, for sure. That is uh, highly problematic. Yeah, it's yeah. A lot of, yeah. Yeah, but the, the sci-fi ones, uh, oh, well, maybe I, should, I, I, I was going to say maybe they're less problematic, but then I just remembered, no, they're not. Uh, but I, I think the sci-fi ones are my favorite because I'm like, okay, well, at least it's a little bit more futuristic and it's not... Uh, I don't know. I feel like the suspenseful ones that are mm-hmm. more just like conversational. Um, it's it's a lot of um, let me put you in your place kind of thing when it's a man talking to a woman. But if it's a sci-fi one, um, there's less of those like emotional conversations. It's more about what's happening to the people and mm-hmm. like the bigger message kind of thing. Also, like the the Ray Bradbury sci-fi stuff is it's usually like a like a, a an embedded commentary on what's wrong with you know the system or the government yeah. or the, the human behavior like it's usually some kind of ironic embedded commentary so the focus yeah. will be less on 
you know, how women should be seen and not heard than yeah. it is on yeah, how true. people should be compassionate to each other or whatever it is, whatever yeah. the, the, the message is that's tucked inside those yeah. sci-fi stories. I think that's why I like sci-fi in general. Uh, I mean, cause that's what mirrors is like that, you know, it's common in society. It's, I find that um, science fiction and zombie stories lend really well to those yeah. socio-political commentary totally. types of stories. God, zombies are the best. Love zombie movies, love zombie anything. Hit me. Your top 300 zombie films. Top 300? Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, well, Starting at 57, working to one, and then going 58 to 300. Can I just do three? My top three. Yeah, okay. But there's such like a typical top three, I feel like. Did not list 300 <laughs> films. Let me just mark that down. I list 300 films in general, but I don't know about 300 Give zombie films. Give me your top films. three zombie films. Uh, um, is Shaun of the Dead on there? Uh, or of not course really? it okay, is. Okay, okay, it's okay. number one. Okay, okay. Edgar Wright is one of my favorite directors of all time. People hate on him. Fuck those bitches. Who hate it? Let's I take a survey people, of this room. That's one hundred percent of the people in our sample group <laughs> love Edgar Wright. I know a ton of people who actively dislike him or are not interested in him. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? He's not interested. I can follow. Yeah. Dislike, yeah. like, okay. Um, uh, Baby Driver. Love it. Here's where here's where I got on board with the people who were not interested. Okay. And Kevin just bear Spacey. with me. No, 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 no. That's like a totally different <laughs> yeah, that's conversation. A different thing. Okay. That's a totally different. Oh, conversation. because is it because uh, the whole like uh, why didn't the female have more of a story? She was a one dimensional character. I well, heard that okay. criticism. And and just so we're absolutely crystal clear, I am one hundred percent on board with Edgar Wright. This is not an indictment. Yeah. But I remember uh people were hyping it up as like this you haven't seen this one before. It's unlike anything. It's such a cool movie, the way they fuse all these different pop elements. What we got was a very kind hearted, pasty, mid-20s male drifting effortlessly through a <laughs> pop culture landscape. <laughs> Which you could describe any Edgar Wright film as that. There isn't a single one that that's not what you're getting. Oh, that's so true, though. So for mm. the peop for the people who aren't interested, for the people yeah. who saw two and were like, "I get it." Yeah, they're th that's cool. They're okay. But I I think I relate to the main characters in his movies more than just like a typical like white guy having existential crisis in a movie kind of thing because uh, not to shit on Topher Grace because I love him so much but I just watched no, let's Take shit on Topher no. Grace let's see <laughs> but I just watched Take Me Home Tonight again mm -hmm. um for the first time in a while it's on Netflix and I mean, it's that. It's like a white guy going through a little crisis, whatever, and like figuring shit out. Mostly white characters. Uh, the female character is not really important. She has no goals or wants or anything. Um, Just a quick question. Do females have goals and wants in real life? <laughs> Absolutely not. We're just here okay, for men. You, <laughs> you were like scaring me. The implication of what you were saying was that they have goals. Yeah, I think. Cool. I think they do. Um, no, but yeah, for some reason, uh, I was. I just can relate to his characters more. Edgar Wright's characters in his movies. Uh, I haven't quite analyzed why. 
um, I think they're just more sympathetic. Like they he are knows kind. How to... Like his lead characters are very good-hearted. Yeah, they really have the best. In I mean, at World's End, he not yeah. really, but most yeah. of them. But that was also about alcoholism, and alcoholics are assholes. So it's pretty I accurate. I feel like we keep <laughs> dancing around some sensitive nerves. What are you talking about? What went wrong in your young adulthood? Where did it fall apart? Like, what, what do you talk about with your therapist most? What do I talk about with, oh, oh my mom's alcoholism? Okay. Yeah. Was your dad straight-laced, though? Like, was he? Well, uh, they're both kind of heavy drinkers. Uh, I would like to blame it on the fact that we're Irish, but, well, actually, maybe I can, because uh, <laughs> both... <laughs> I, I just watched you do mental gymnastics. <laughs> that was fun. Also, I feel like a lot of uh, like depression and anxiety mm -hmm. and like mental disease runs in like Irish families, and that's like why you alcoholism think? is a problem. Yes, yeah, because yeah, my mom's side of the family is fucked up. Like that's why I'm I'm just like so passionate about like going to therapy for myself mm -hmm. and um and like very for it and and all that because I I want to change the uh, course of my family because um, yeah it's not going well well that's like that's the thing <clears throat> yeah it's the, the 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 vocabulary for the most for many generations in Ireland just isn't there like the the vocabulary the the dictionary is drinking until you die like that's that's the resource yeah, yeah. Um, and it is uh, it is a thing that that like uh, once once you identify it, and if you're the generation that is like, ah, I caught it, like you have a chance of turning the knob in a certain direction, and then the next generation but they have a chance of turning it the is, knob. Uh, I think I, you're on the cusp of improving the world. What well, sucks about that? Like, yeah, but uh, it's not just fun in regards in the moment, to like. But, I mean, yes, it's it's good that I'm I'm doing things very differently from my parents, uh, like mm -hmm. psychologically. But I think, like, even genetically, like I. I am an addict. Uh, it's just that alcohol is not my uh, thing um, mm -hmm. because my parents drank so heavily. I was like very against it. So now I I feel like I've just picked other things to be addicted to. What do you what if you're uh, if you're like reading books and exercising? I'm gonna punch <laughs> you in the face. Oh hell no! Okay. I barely exercise. Um, I. I do smoke weed every day, all day. Um, I'm surprisingly sober at this moment because uh, I don't uh, get high before I do improv. That's like my one oh, rule. Okay, okay. Uh, I do it shows like sometimes if it's like late or, but it's been very rare. I've been trying to be like very good about it in shows because I like to be like focused in a hundred percent. But I do, I smoke in the morning, afternoon, whatever, all day. Uh, and so do all my brothers, sisters, all my brothers, sisters smoke weed all day, every day. And I feel like it's our like coping mechanism for like, do you our ever go cold shit. for a week just to see no, like if you can do it? I've been talking to my therapist about it. Every no appointment desire. that I, I have a desire to, but I'm very, afraid to because I don't I don't like feeling sad <laughs> I don't like the feeling of being sad <laughs> well I don't know like here's the question that always comes up you're if you're using daily and you're using it because you want to avoid feeling sad 
Like that sounds like a problem. Do you oh, feel? Yeah. Oh, it is a problem. Feel, okay. For sure. Okay. So you oh, know, you frame it as a problem. Oh yeah, it's definitely okay. a problem. <laughs> but I keep justifying in my head like, well, Seth Rogen smokes weed every day of his life, and he's doing okay. So I don't know. Do you feel? But when I say like it's a problem, is it is it hurting your career, your social life, your personal day-to-day like how you feel when you look in the mirror because if it's not hurting your job your social circle or your or how you perceive yourself sound like my therapist is it a problem like um i'm not i'm not trying to advocate for you getting blazed 24 7 (laughs) oh trust me if i could find an excuse to i will but um no i guess i'm worried about it because uh i feel like sometimes it does i feel like you know, I'm not the type to stay at home. Like I am, I'm like a very, very extroverted person, like almost too much where like I can literally leave my house at 7am and not go back until one in the morning, never see my apartment every day of my life and I'll be happy. And does that sustain without weed or is that tied to smoking for you? Well, I think that's how I am normally as a person, but I feel like uh, sometimes I will use weed as an excuse to be like, okay, well, if I smoke in the middle of the afternoon right now, uh, I will be incapacitated for like three hours. I won't mm-hmm. get any work done. I'm just going to be lazy. And I feel like I'm giving myself license to be lazy for a moment to uh, relax myself because I am so like crazy and neurotic and trying to do a million things all day, every day. Um, So like it's good in that way. But also like if I didn't smoke weed at all, I feel like I would get so many things done. But then I... I probably wouldn't relax. That's like how I relax. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know if that's healthy either to just be like, go, go, go all the time. And then you never take any time for yourself. What's the sadness? <laughs> like what, what is it like the, the wishing the parents were there kind of thing? Like the sadness that, that, that would hit. Mm. Is it like the well, dreams aren't where that you would oh hope no. they'd be? Like, I what, am what like, the... I am so incredibly patient with like everything that's okay. happening. Like I'm actually scared for things to happen. I have this huge fear in my chest every day that I'm like, something is going to happen and somebody's going to give me an opportunity and I'm not going to be ready for it. And I'm going to have to like force myself to be ready for it. And yeah, that's my big fear. So I feel like I'm not ready for things. And when I'm not ready for things, that's when things happen. Um, but what was the question? I went off on a tangent. Oh, it's it's the like the sadness. <laughs> oh, uh, you said yeah, that yeah. like the sadness will come creeping back in pretty quick. Um, like, do you, I think I'm still. I mean, it's been two and a half years since uh, my ex and I broke up, but I'm still kind of like think about it a little bit, you know. Like, and I'm working on with that with my. Have you been sober too. at any point from the divorce until now? Well, that's actually when I started smoking weed every day was okay. when we broke up when we were together okay I was so like you're kicking a can down the road sober. yeah you, but also like this is kind of my time to be crazy because when i was married i got married when i was 19 i didn't go out in my 20s and get drunk and make out with dudes and go dancing and mm-hmm. have crazy ass shit like road trips college shit like i didn't do any of that like I don't need to know a number. Have you hit 30 yet? And you can uh, you can give a thumbs up or thumbs down off the mic if you'd oh, rather. Oh, my age? Yeah. Oh, I'm never scared to tell my okay. age. Uh, I'm 27. I'll be 28 in August. August what's your, wait, what's your... Oh, okay. Yeah. Mine's the third. Oh, yeah. fun. I know a lot so, of August so birthdays. So I'm your senior <laughs> by... Wait, also by <laughs> years. Not you? just by days, but <laughs> yeah, by yeah, entire yeah. years. 
I was born in 81, but I don't remember how old I am. Oh, I'm guessing 37 okay. or 38. Yeah. Uh, somewhere around there. Cool. What's your year? 91. There's, yeah. So I'm 37. <laughs> Cool. Thanks for helping me out. With we're, that. we're exactly ten years yeah. apart. Oh, uh, that's ten crazy. years and and seven days. Oh, wow! I know edgier seat stuff. <laughs> Hollywood fishbowl. <laughs> yeah, the listeners are going crazy. Right They're now. all with their notepads, <laughs> furiously writing down. <laughs> um. So, like, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't sound like a catastrophe. So smoking weed every day? It sounds like... Or my sadness? Uh, smoking weed every day. It sounds like it's not going to be sustainable forever, but it yeah. seems like you're keeping pretty close tabs on what it is and how it's affecting you. Yeah. Which, like, you know, um, I'd, I'd rather everybody be happy and sober all the time, but that's just not tenable. <laughs> so... Yeah. I'm actually, I'm, I'm kind of scared to be sober. And the more friends that I have, I have a ton of friends who like transition, you know, like since I've known them where they were like heavy drinkers and they're like, oh, this is too much. I'm going to be a hundred percent sober now. Like I have mm-hmm. so many friends that are like that. And every time it happens, I'm just like, oh my God, am I next? Ooh. Oh, like the walls are closing. Yeah, and they, it's, like, it's a game of musical chairs and you're going to lose I'm your chair sooner or later. And everyone around me is going to be sober. And I'm the only one that's like, Hey guys, want yeah, you want to smoke? Weed? What are we doing? Guys, it's already eight 30 in live? the morning. Like, yeah. <laughs> Fire up the bomb. Even though people probably wouldn't judge me, I would be very scared when I'm older, like to be around a responsible group of people. And I'm still kind of being irresponsible. Well, like, okay, here's the reality. I have, traveled it sounds like you've been to a couple places in your day and there is no city i've been in where it's more like totally cool if you are blasted on (laughs) weed 24 7 in los angeles also there is no city i've been in where there are more people in recovery programs who are ready to talk about it and like you've got your recovery program (laughs) anytime you need it yeah true so it's a great city to be bombed out of your mind on drugs and it's a great city to be off of drugs yeah, too yeah maybe i'll do both someday so fuck we've what, you've been ripping it up since then yeah have you been going bananas a little bit yeah what's the most trouble you got yourself in look at you crossing your arms the body language could not be clearer <laughs> yeah let's <laughs> that's so funny i i know that i do the end of what that means yeah People mm-hmm. have pointed that out to me before. Oh no, um, I just I just love asking inappropriate questions and then calling people out when they respond in a completely appropriate and natural right, way. Right, that's great. My my greatest fear is that somebody will call me a good host someday. <laughs> no, you're a great host. I love it. So this. tell me about all the trash you get into. <laughs> the trash. Ooh, I'm yeah. a trash person. Um, well, I I didn't say you were a trash person. You can <laughs> no, get into like and get thing out I of say trash. with my girlfriends. Okay. you know, we just call you. you ourselves trash. I love, uh, I, I dream that someday somebody will call me Valley trash. <laughs> Why is that? Cause come on. Wouldn't that be fun? Like, that is great. If somebody, if somebody somewhere perceived me as a bad boy, <laughs> my, uh, that would just be the thrilling end of yeah. everything. Wouldn't it? Mm, you look like you should get a motorcycle. Do you have a motorcycle? I do not have a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. I do have a tattoo. Ooh, yeah. you do. What is it? Uh, too boring to talk about on air. I'll <laughs> tell you after the episode's over. Oh my gosh. Okay. The story's long and not that fascinating. Okay, What's right. the one of the typewriter? What does it say underneath that? 
Uh, for there to be betrayal, there would have to be trust first. All right. Like 7,000 <laughs> stories embedded in that that you couldn't write it down and put it in your wallet on a piece of paper. Well, actually, it was funny enough. This was a Hunger Games tattoo. Mm-hmm. This is a quote from a Hunger Games book. Mm-hmm. And it had these th- these three fingers right there. I don't know if you could see. It's like underneath. Does it glow in the dark or anything? It doesn't. But it just when they covered it up, it covered mm-hmm. it up really well. And then in two years since I got it, uh, it's been fading a little bit. You can see the fingers yeah, a little yeah. bit. Um, but yeah, people kept giving me shit about fucking Hunger Games, man. And I'm just like, fuck it. I'll just cover it up with a typewriter then. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what I did. Because people be like, oh, you like Hunger Games that much? Like that comment all the time. That's kind of like. And I do like Hunger Games that much. I love the Hunger Games. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Settle down. Please, please just sit back down. No, I don't want to fight. Jesus Christ, I didn't think we were going to have the most contentious Hollywood fishbowl ever, but here we are. Mm-hmm. So tell me about your wild, wild days. It's been a while since I've I've been a a, a, a bad boy on the scene. Yeah. Hmm. I've I've been on a motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who my uncles when I was nine years old, going oh, home from little so league cute. practice, he oh would give me a ride. God. That is so adorable. That's that is like so sitcom. tough and badass. Could yeah. you please ins- replace adorable with something that makes okay, me feel cool? All right. Oh, don't God. worry. I'm not gonna. I'm not. Okay. You know, well, there was this one time. I. It was my birthday, like a couple years ago. I was in Virginia, and my sister and uh, her roommate. Okay. Can I just jump in for a second? <laughs> what? If there is ever a state to get trashy in, it's Virginia. Yeah. That's like the one place. Okay, I don't know how you can much go nuclear in Virginia. Yeah, that's where. No, yeah. Virginia's so strict, man. My sister. Oh. Is, hmm. Virginia is assholes. Yeah, they're the they're worst. Assholes. Yeah, you go into D.C., you're fine. Get fucking crazy. They'll let you go. Oh no, Virginia. I'm not, I'm not saying do it with Virginia. I'm saying do it to Virginia. Oh yeah, yeah. Get shit hammered and take a crap on a statue in yes. Virginia or something like yes. that. Like, yes, dude. The city that I lived in still had like major streets and intersections that were names of like generals from the civil oh, yeah, war. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. still? No, they're, they're like debating whether or not to take down their Ku Klux Klan statues. It's like <laughs> oh insane in Virginia. Yeah. Anyway. Virginia sucks. Okay. So my sister and my room or her roommate and I, uh, it, my sister and I have a birthday close together. She's on the 18th. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are like, okay, let's uh, bring all the weed we have. Uh, my stash her stash her roommate stash we're gonna drive uh to like um the great falls national park and we're gonna get fucked up and we're just gonna be in the woods all day so we're (laughs) we're driving there and and we get fucked up we get there we get fucked up we hike we get fucked up we're leaving it's the end of the day we're so freaking exhausted and my sister, for whatever reason, decides to go 10 miles over the speed limit. Mm-hmm. And as we're smoking a blunt, probably our last blunt that we had, and she gets pulled over. I am over. so hoping you get in trouble for this. Oh, yeah. I I, uh, I do not support driving while intoxicated. Oh. 
So now I here's the thing. <laughs> well, I wasn't. My sister was driving. <laughs> here's the thing. Now, like for all that shit I just talked about, Virginia, I am on the officer's <laughs> side for you guys getting pulled over. Well, then you're gonna love this. I hope he. Yeah. Gave you the riot act. Oh, he sure did. Did you have an out-of-state license plate? No, it, okay, it was okay. in state. Yeah, yeah. Because so, you would have been like, you would have been underground if you were coming from out of well, state. Well, it was in a national park. He pulled this over in the national park. And that's like a whole nother set of fucking laws. Like we could have got into so much Oh, like much felonies more. and... Yeah, like we yeah. could have got huge trouble. But her her roommate threw the blunt out of the car. Mm-hmm. We pull over. Perfect solution. First yeah. of all, when a policeman is, is following you in his car <laughs> and you have a blunt, best thing to do is just throw it out the yep. window. He can't see it because it's flying. He'll never find it. Well, I'll wait until the end and I'll tell you what happened. This one time I was driving down uh, the high, well, probably the 101 or whatever. Yeah. And this car in front of me, like the window pokes down and a pizza box comes flying out. Oh my God. And then I'm like looking at the car and you might think you had the biggest blunt in the history of mankind. <laughs> You did not. These guys who are throwing pizza boxes yeah. out of their windows. Please continue your story. I will try not to interrupt again. Who are those assholes throwing trash on the highway? That's my biggest pet peeve is trash. I hate trash. And you I are totally to- in a position to lecture other people right now. <laughs> There's one thing. Finish your story about when you were driving around high seat. as a kite. I was in the back seat. There's no responsibility in the back seat. Okay. Please, let's hear the end of the story where you and your friends got all the weed that you could possibly muster, (laughs) smoked it, and drove around. Yeah. (laughs) And then we'll get back to lecturing other people about littering. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think littering is worse. Um, Okay, so. (laughs) In what dimension? Not drinking alcohol is bad in a car. Smoking marijuana in a car. Is also worse than (laughs) littering. I just think we're going to agree to disagree, man. Please finish your story. (laughs) This is what we're going to fight about, not this Hunger Games shit. Okay, all right. uh, Thanks for reminding me that you like Hunger Games. Get the (laughs) fuck out of here right now. Hey, I told you my bad side was going to come out. Your bad side came out. Yeah. No, anyway, please tell the rest of the story. And I just noticed you have a Grace tattoo on your left (laughs) wrist. I also have a Harry Potter tattoo on my back. You want to fight me about that? No, no, no. Which one? What did you get? Uh, The Deathly Hollow, or yeah, the Deathly Hollow symbol. Oh, okay. Very cool. And what was the one above it? Is that just flowers or what have you oh, got? Oh, that's actually the date I got married. <laughs> that's... Well, on a oh, tattoo. What's, oh, is that the date? Yeah. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. I got a We're date We're never going to hear the end of this story, are we? <laughs> it's not that great of a story. Uh, yeah, so he pulls us over. Um, Kudos for not covering up your wedding tattoo. <laughs> Yeah, that's the tattoo that I kept, not the. And that—that's yeah, like that. Let's just put that as the frame of reference <laughs> that you covered up the the Hunger Games yeah. tattoo, and not your marriage well, and divorce tattoo. I don't have regrets about decisions that I make, and I feel like even though a lot of bad things happen, also a lot of good things happen, and I learned a lot, and it formed me as a person and whatever so all i think about uh, not all but what i think about a lot these days is uh the concept of the fullness of time and uh the worst decision i think in the fullness of time like whatever was the worst thing you did in your life you realize like that that it is an essential and integral part of who you are as a complete human being over decades 
Um, so yeah. Yeah, totally agree. What is the end of this story? <laughs> okay, so he throws the phone out of the car. car. The cop goes to the uh, passenger side and not mm-hmm. the driver's side. And before he gets there, I'm like telling all of them, like, please don't say anything. Like, they always say when a cop pulls you over and you have something in your car, you don't have to reveal to them what you have. You just don't say anything. Like, it is mm-hmm. your right as a person. I feel like everybody should know this, especially like fucking people in Southern California and like all their immigrant shit, like trying to catch people or whatever. Don't tell them anything. Don't open the car door. Don't open the house door. Oh, God, I hate cops so much. But anyway. Um, okay, let's be realistic. That's true. You should not say anything, but yes. I, I am sure that the car smelled of the pots. Yeah, and did. that's probable cause that's like that's reason enough to like you could zip your lip as tight as possible but he's gonna not be but when I told because I actually he asked uh my friend's roommate a question and I said you don't have to answer that if you don't want to and the cop looked at me and was like shut up don't say anything I'll ask the questions. Yeah, yeah. And I was like whoa dude. But you don't have to answer it like yeah that's absolutely true yeah it is true. And he was just like really disrespectful about it. I don't know. I mean, like he's a cop and we were breaking the law. So, you know, be disrespectful if you want to, I guess. But um, well, okay, let's be honest. You were not commanding respect. A car <laughs> full of kids high as a kite. <laughs> he could still be nice. Like, what are you going to be a dick for? Like, it's just weed. If it was legal, would it be a problem? Because it was my roommate How in the passenger seat smoking, not my sister. She was high, but I'm saying at the time. Are you hearing these defenses and how crappy they are? Okay, talk to another stoner. They'll feel the same way. Yes, but but we, like normal people populate most of this earth who... The the argument if well, it, I feel like if when it I was legal weed, it would have been normal, fine. So and I'm not trying to denigrate people who prefer to smoke weed, but the the argument if it was legal it would have been fine <laughs> holds no water whatsoever. Okay, well if my sister was sober and which she was her roommate was the one smoking weed, then which we already have established, all three of you were fucking blitzed out of your minds okay you're right you're right you're right i wrong okay anyways so he has us all get out of the car sit on the concrete he's looking through the whole car he's looking through everything he's the joke's on him we smoked it all already (laughs) i mean we did i still had a little left actually i God, I totally regret this because my brother gave me this little box that he got from Alaska because he used to live there. And it was like painted all intricately and was just a very like nice little keepsake from my brother that had my weed in it. And the cop fucking took it. He just took it because I had weed. I could have probably asked him like, yo, can you like dump the weed out of that and like give it back to me? Because it's just a wooden box and you don't have a right to take a wooden box. But I was just like too frazzled at the time to ask. But uh, I forgot to say this was on this was on my birthday mm-hmm. like literally the I day of my that. birthday so when he was like looking at all of our driver's licenses and stuff. Uh, I'm like, hey man, like it's my birthday. Like we're just like out, like going for a hike. I'm really sorry. Like we went over the speed limit and we have the shit in our car. You know, like can you just try to like uh, not let us go, but like don't go crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't send us down the river. Yeah, but he uh, gave a speedy ticket to my sister and he gave a possession ticket to both. Uh, 
I think he gave it to all of us. Yeah, I did pay for a possession ticket, actually. But it was like, since D.C. is legal now, Virginia has decriminalized a little bit. Actually, Virginia's still incredibly strict because uh, my sister is still like kind of getting in trouble for marijuana-related things. And she should just like fucking move here and she's working on it. But um, yeah, I had to pay like $300 or something like that. And it was my fucking birthday. And like he knew it was my birthday. Like... Oh God, that was such like a spit in the face. I was like, God damn it. Yeah. So it was the end to a wonderful day. Oh, here. Um, if you look very close <laughs> on my finger, all the pity that I have for you about that $300, you can <laughs> take a look at it. That's all. Oh, it blew away. Sorry. Oh my God. You're making me feel like I'm the worst. You're not the worst. No, you just don't get to complain worst. about I a $300 ticket for possession. You're not, you're not the, well, actually like there's. I think all drugs should be legal. Actually. I disagree with you one bajillion percent. <laughs> Actually, if no, I don't. Were- I don't disagree with you. I think. I think. Um, uh, I think we need a colossal overhaul to how we perceive drugs and drug use in America. Yeah. Um, and I think that that like that blanket jump that legal means encouraged. I don't think we should be punishing heroin addicts for being addicted to heroin. Like, there, yeah, this isn't a thing that should be punished. It's a thing that should be course corrected. That if somebody is yeah. struggling with addiction. Uh, we should be there for them as early as possible to help them with that that part of their life. Um, yeah, putting addicts in jail is like the worst mistake a country yeah. could make. Yeah, uh, that's a little hyperbolic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, currently in time. Uh, uh, no, I'm I'm going too hard on you. Like I'm I'm picking apart everything you say, ignoring uh, yeah, the meaning, and just yeah. pick, just going for the verbiage. Yeah, I used to be a libertarian. I think I'm just a liberal now. Wait, are the libertarians the ones who want like no government at all? Yeah. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> That's just like not tenable at all. I don't know. I kind of like chaos. I think it would be interesting. Well, if you I like chaos, would just okay. go with their normal day to day though. People think that bitches would just go crazy. Uh, humans like consistency and regularity. You know, like I think we would just go on with our lives. If you like chaos, libertarianism is fine. But if you like anything to be any way <laughs> like accessible to human beings, it's not like it's just not functional. There's well, no way maybe to maybe I'll rephrase. I like the ability to do chaos. <laughs> maybe not chaos itself. I want to be able to do it and not get in trouble with for it. So then I like we get into the bigger question of what's the point of morality if you want if you don't want to get in trouble for the things that are bad to do. Well, that's where I do agree with libertarians is like I think people should do or could can do whatever they want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else or take away like anybody else's rights. That's the thing is I agree with all that. I can't count on it. I've seen I've yeah. been, I've been around people too long to believe that like if if there were no rules whatsoever, if there are no consequences except for what we all put on each other, that equilibrium would find itself. But there are very strict consequences now, and people still break the rules constantly and consistently. So I would like to just do an experiment to see what would happen if there weren't any. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, just because the rules are in place doesn't mean people are following them. That's yeah. That's true. That's totally true. But things like fire departments are nice. Oh, fire departments. Roads are pretty neat. Ugh. Public yes. schools rock. 
I'm down with the public schools, Medicare and Medicaid. Are at, we're totally DTF. Everything should stay, but I, I think the, that that's government. What? No, <laughs> but p- police department. I don't think there should be any police. I think uh, I, I don't agree with you, but I do think that the the what ha- what the police are in America has become such a, a heinous. Uh, perversion of yeah. of what law enforcement is meant yeah. to be that that it is just not it's just not working like yeah. it's not it's not sustainable what we're at with with law enforcement and that's so bad because there are so many good cops who are doing good yeah. work and trying to keep yeah. the peace it's just the that there are no that there's the case in point that because all the cops have relationships with the judges there are no consequences when a police officer breaks the law. Yeah. They answer to their superiors who just move them a town over. Even if they shot a person who had their hands over their head and was saying, please don't shoot me. That's like that. The What we're seeing in American police force is the worst of a world without consequences. And to have that spread across an entire society. Well, I don't know. Like if already the worst are... Well, I think living without consequences, we're kind of there already. (laughs) The consequences exist for the people who aren't the worst at this point. But I think uh, a lot of that problem is uh, what you said, Um, just people giving breaks to each other because they're friends or their family. And that's especially a problem in small towns in America, Mm -hmm. which I would love to do a documentary series about small towns in America, especially the small town where I'm from. I mean, I even remember a murder happening when I was in middle school and the woman who did it practically got away with killing a child. And it was because, I mean, I think it's because the town was so incredibly small. Everybody knew each other. Mm -hmm. All the cops knew everybody. They knew this woman. They knew this family. It was like a family that had been there for generations, you know, and when people have so many connections like that. It's like impossible for them to think rationally Mm -hmm. about what should be done. They just think like, what's going to be best for the family? What's going to be best for the town? What's going to be best for the cops? They don't think like, how should this person be punished? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And it's a, yeah, that's small towns is like probably the most dangerous place to live. Like I would never want to live in a small town uh, out of fear for my own safety, to be honest, as a woman. My sister lives in Tallahassee right now, and I'm, like, scared to death something is going to happen to her. That's not a very small town, is it? It's not a small town, but it's a very crime-ridden town. It's a very southern, like, there's not a lot to do. I mean, that's a... What I would say a small town to me is like, is there's nothing for the community to do, but get fucked up and fuck each other and do meth and be depressed. Have have you done meth? No. Okay. I know a lot of people who have and have a lot of friends who've been in and out of jail for... What's the hardest you've ever rolled? Uh, probably just Coke. Okay. Yeah. Ah, shows up here and yeah. there. Yeah. Well, I mean, like my family is like uh, full of addicts, you know? So it's yeah. like, I'm very, and I know I have extremely addictive personality. So I never allow myself to do harder drugs out of fear mm-hmm. that, uh, I will not stop. <laughs> have you ever done like a, a Vicodin or a codeine at a party or something like that? Oh my that? God. I love codeine so much. Yo, oh, Uncle Sam. It's so good. That's just my jam. Oh my God. They <laughs> say that you shouldn't take it with alcohol, but let me tell you this little trick tell me this little trick if you you take schedule two narcotics with alcohol Uh 
they feel even better. Oh, God. You just feel like you're on a cloud of magical happiness. You know what we should do as a game? You know what we should never do as a game? <laughs> is <laughs> No, like we both take, you know, 40 milligrams of codeine or whatever. Uh, and then we take turns trying to stress each other out and see if either oh of us God. can possibly get... Like, <laughs> see. That would be hilarious, actually. <laughs> that would be a very dangerous podcast to yeah. do, because uh, I, I imagine addiction Somebody would... should start a podcast called A Very Dangerous Podcast. Where they just do opiates all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody should do this. But everybody would listen to it, would they not? I would. I would be very... I, I'm not going to host it. Somebody I... else can. Look, if you got a hookup, I got a year. <laughs> you got a year. Yeah, I'll do, I'll do opiates every time. <laughs> For a year. Okay, you got that on record. But that's not just, I mean, the podcast doesn't end at the end of the year. Then we go through recovery on the podcast and do like a daily episode on what that experience is like. Yeah. So, yeah, this is the Hollywood fishbowl. We're about to retire (laughs) for something much more (laughs) self-destructive. Yeah. Um, Let's end on that nuclear note. I'm going to retire from hosting. I'm going to turn everything off. Okay. Maybe we get a bathroom break. Okay. And then we're going to come back on with uh with a with your your show. Okay. Um, um can I just say I'm sorry if I offended anyone by anything that I said. I feel like I gave some very like dark um weird opinions. Um and I hope nobody hates me. What you- <laughs> that you should be allowed to smoke marijuana and drive? <laughs> no, 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 no. We just did a huge turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The first was I would like to apologize, which is like um you looking out for them. Uh-huh. Then you said, I just hope nobody hates me, yeah. which is actually you looking out for yeah. you. I mean, that's my fear is people hating me. Does that bite you? <clears throat> I mean, do you feel? Do I feel like people hate yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. Like, do you have that that kind of like beyond imposter syndrome, but like that that kind of, fuck, man. I don't know. I'm an I asshole. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's because like I try so hard to be so nice and and a good person, but mm-hmm. that I know that I have like these darker side of this darker side of me, and I'm afraid that people won't like both. They'll only like the one side of me. Here's something. That I, this is look. You want to talk talk dark? Get ready for this. <laughs> okay. Um, there will probably be a point in your life where you go clean. It's going to be a really hard time for you. <laughs> Hopefully I'm fucking 45 and I'm on another fucking podcast talking about it. <laughs> and I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep my phone number in your phone. Okay. The day you decide, like, I'm going to just to see what happens a week, I'm going to go, please call me when that decision is made. Uh-huh. And I will be checking in with you regularly to make sure you haven't slashed your wrists. Okay. Because it's going to be... <laughs> Everything you stacked up and that you are, you are aware yeah, that yeah. you are doing pot 24 <laughs> seven to avoid dealing with all this yeah, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be so fun. No, that, that, oh. that, 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 that there's like that deep fear of self-hatred going on or of other people hating you. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, I love myself for sure. You're not when you're, you're not going to the first week you're sober. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. You're right. And that what's going to happen is that that 
fear that everyone hates you is going to lock in perfect step with that self-hatred that you're going to be feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, please, when you're sitting in that bathtub with that razor blade, call me. I'll be calling everyone. For the love of God, <laughs> yeah. reach out. Because those two, that's like yeah. a cocktail. Yeah, um, totally. How's your therapist? It, I had a, she I had to reschedule her with her this week. Actually, usually I see her Wednesdays at four. Mm-hmm. So oh I, shit, I'm getting in the way of no, you getting healthy. No, it's fine. Oh, I need I needed to like stack up things to talk to her about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, just play her this episode before you go yeah. in next time. <laughs> yeah, be like, um, can you listen to this podcast real quick before we talk? <laughs> yeah, okay, break time. Break time. I'm sorry. Did I, I not? Physically, but did I make you too naked on this? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I do feel like I, I flashed my titties for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Mentally. Yeah, your mental titties were yeah. out on this show. <laughs> let's uh let's let's okay. let's zip our titties back up and uh see if we can keep round two more on the rails. Okay. okay? All right. Smart.